The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This is a really common um, um, uh, expression that, how do I do it right? <laughs> am I doing it wrong or am I doing it right? There's really, as long as you're aware of what's happening in the present moment, I mean, we can, we can be lost in thought. And at that point, you know, there's no right or wrong because you're lost. I mean, it's like there's nothing you can do about it. You know, okay, you can't do anything about it until you wake up. And then in that moment, just being aware of what's here. Now, in the context of driving, I mean, in a, in a given situation, there's many, many different ways to be mindful. You know, it's like, in, like eating, for example. You could be mindful of all of the details of picking up your utensil and the movement. I've done this on retreat, you know, the movement of the hand, the, and then scooping, the lifting, the putting in the mouth, the chewing, the moving the arm down, the chewing, the chewing, the taste, the texture, the coolness, the heat, the swallowing, the sound of all of that, the feeling as it goes down. You can be mindful at that level of detail. And you can also be mindful of the fact that you're sitting in your living room, having a bowl of cereal, and that there's ease in your body. Way way different experiences, way different um, uh, focusing, you know, and one is kind of really, you know, s sharply focused on, on certain specific things. And, um, you know, you're, you're actually directing the attention more. In that experience I was describing, it's kind of like directing it towards the process of eating. How does the process of eating unfold? And, you know, choosing to, to watch that. But then at the same time, maybe missing you know, emotions that are happening at the same time. And then the other one is a broader kind of mindfulness. It's aware of the context of experience. And there's different, um, types of awareness that are appropriate in different situations. In, in retreat practice, you know, you can go down to this level of, um, you know, lifting, moving, placing, lowering. You can go down to that level because you're not, you're not needing to do anything but be mindful on retreat. You know, if you decide to go through the grocery store, you know, stepping, 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 stopping, opening, reaching, you know, people are going to get really nuts at you because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're not moving in an appropriate way. So the, the mindfulness this is, this is something that I think sometimes happens on retreat. We get into a kind of mindfulness that can be very specific, very detailed, and then we think that is what mindfulness is. And we go home and we try to, and we realize it's not possible. I can't do that kind of mindfulness at home. So we, at, in our daily life practice, we need to learn a, a broader kind of mindfulness that allows the context of what's happening to inform how we're aware. And so driving, for instance, you might be like really detailed aware, oh, looking at the speedometer, raising the eyes, looking in the rearview mirror, touching the, the, that might not be a good way to be mindful while driving. <laughs> Keep playing with it. Just, just try to be 
uh, aware of the general nature of how you drive. Like, if you are even just, you know, rather than saying the specific, oh, looking in the mirror, just say, I'm aware. I'm aware. Just knowing that you're aware in that situation. And maybe not even, you know, at the beginning, maybe not even specifically <coughs> recognizing, oh, I'm aware of looking in the mirror. I'm aware of, um, you know, checking the speedometer. I'm aware of where the cars are. I wouldn't, I don't even think you might, it might not be so helpful to get to that level of, of detail, but just to recognize, yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware while driving. And to just allow that general awareness to be there um, while you're driving. So to begin to explore different ways of, of being mindful. I guess I didn't quite say that right. Um, it's more that the mind functions in many different ways. The mind itself, whether we're mindful or not, the mind at times will um, you know, zero in at looking at something specifically. At times it will be more broad. At times you know, it'll be a more panoramic kind of attention because that's what's appropriate. You know, our, our being in the world, like if we're walking down the, the street on the sidewalk and then we turn to like cross the street, whether we are um, really mindful or not, probably the habit of our being is going to look, you know, is there a car coming, you know, as we, as we move to cross the street. Whether we're really mindful or not, we'll probably do that. And that's appropriate. That's appropriate um, attention. That's appropriate for the context. And partly what we're trying to do here in daily life is begin to allow the mindfulness to infuse the attention that's already happening. So we're not really trying to change what we're paying attention to. We're trying to allow a mindfulness to come into what we're paying attention to. And, and attention can be there. Attention can be there um, whether we're mindful or not. The mind is paying attention to something most of the time. You know, that factor of, of being conscious of something is happening in every moment. And whether we're aware of it or not is another matter. And so we can, the part of what I, my exploration is, partly through my um, teacher, Saira Utejaniya, encouraging just the, the, the recognition of awareness itself is to, can I become aware just of how the mind is functioning? To not try to change it so much. And so I'm sitting there at breakfast. I'm sitting there at breakfast eating food and I notice the mind is spacing out. Rather than saying, oh, spacing out, can't be mindful while spacing out, come back and eat, pay attention to the sensations, I notice the mind kind of moving to spacing out, hang out in that spacing out place. I can be aware of spacing out, be mindful of that. Watch the state of mind, watch the kind of uh, kind of buzzing that happens. And then after like, you know, two or three minutes, that buzzing kind of clears. And then I'm alert, present, in a, you know, the, the, the mind is now aware of something new. It's, it's, so there's, there can be more of a flow of the mind becoming aware of what is already happening. Now that's a, that's a kind of, um, I want to put that out into the room. Um, that's kind of where we're headed. Um, and, it, you know, it may not, that, that kind of awareness may not be very accessible for you initially. So um, that's why it's helpful initially to pick some certain things to be aware of. 
So in the context of driving, it's like, okay, can I just be aware while driving? So that that adds a little bit of extra um, um, impetus to remembering, essentially. So it's fine to pay attention, to bring your awareness to the driving, but don't worry about what it is that you're paying attention to. Allow the what to happen naturally. And just see if you can allow the awareness to, or the mindfulness to, almost follow that what. I, I sometimes think of the, um, the mindfulness as following the attention. And so the attention is already naturally moving around. And can the mindfulness kind of track that? I, I described this to my um, teacher, Saido Tejani, and he says, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like having a dog on a leash. Somebody talked about walking their dog the other day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like having a dog on a leash. You know, the dog is just kind of doing their thing, you know, going around sniffing things, and, and your job is just to hold on to that leash. You know, so to allow the, allow the, you know, the dog to do whatever it wants and just, you know, keep track of it. Just make sure that you don't let the dog, like, take off on a run. Uh, and it's kind of similar, just allowing the mind to, to do what it naturally does, and the awareness is the leash. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That what I've said, I mean, sometimes uh, with meditation instructions like this in particular, uh, and my teacher, Saito Utejaniya, says over and over again, what I say isn't something to do. It puts information into your mind. And then as you're aware, as you're mindful, uh, that information begins to just like seep in, almost like, you know, through cracks in your being, and it begins to inform how you pay attention. I mean, I say these things a lot. I say, I'll speak about this stuff over and over again, and over the week, it'll begin to kind of seep in, and then you may be able to say, oh, that's, what's that's what she means. So just play with it now. You don't actually have to consciously understand it. Some of it, I mean, it sounds like you have a sense of something seeping in, yeah. So just, you know, play with it now. Okay. Just play with it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm wondering, is this um, kind of the difference between an informal and a formal practice of meditation? When we're formally practicing, maybe we are paying attention, you know, like the whole raisin the Yeah. You know, it, it, I would say, I would say, you know, it depends on how you're practicing. For instance, my meditation practice now on retreat is, is not choosing how to pay attention, not directing the attention. Like, you know, here, drink, lifting, coolness of the glass, touching, wetness, you know, all of that. I don't do that anymore. I used to do that on retreat. I used to do that on retreat. But my whole practice has shifted now. It's much more this waking up to what the mind is already doing. And that, this is the practice I'll be teaching on, on Saturday, you know, the, as a sitting practice as well as a daily life practice, so that the practice that I do cush, on the cushion and on, out in daily life is pretty similar right now, unless I'm specifically doing concentration practice on the cushion, which I do um, from time to time. Um, so it depends on how you're practicing informal meditation practice. Certain formal meditation practices do not translate to daily life. You know, certain formal meditation practices basically are there to cultivate, um, you know, the, the quality of 
focusing the attention, the quality of you know, becoming more aware of specific things, things that we may not have been aware of. When I first, I th and I think it's been immensely helpful for me. The first many years of my practice, I was doing much more that detailed kind of um, awareness, mindfulness in retreat. Um, and, and it really helped me to understand what it means to be mindful in the body. And I found, you know, there were times I could do that in my daily life. If I was at home alone, I could do that in my daily life. But the, the supposed to is that, because again, this is the idea, this is what mindfulness is. You know, that's what it means to be mindful while I'm drinking, is to be aware of all of the details. And it, that's one way to be mindful while drinking. And another way is to just be aware of the fact that drinking is happening. So to become more, kind of, again, having the sense of mindfulness infusing the experience that's already happening, as opposed to saying, oh, I'm mindful. What am I supposed to be mindful of? And then trying to pick things to be mindful of. That's more of a busyness, in a way, in our daily life. And I think that also adds, in our daily life, this is something I like to um, say, that if we're trying to do mindfulness, it, it usually adds a feeling of burden to our daily life practice. You know, it's like, oh, here I'm mindful. Oh, how, what am I supposed to do in being mindful? What am I supposed to, oh, I'm supposed to pay attention to this or this or this. And we're picking it, mindfulness up like it's, like it's baggage right. and trying to do something as opposed to recognizing, you know, kind of the lightness of mindfulness and the, recognizing that mindfulness is present to just see, well, ow, actually, it doesn't weigh anything to be mindful. It doesn't really take much effort to be mindful as long as I'm not trying to do something with it. It's more like waking up in the moment. Yes, yes. And so you asked at the beginning, you were asking about why am I doing this? Much of what I'm pointing to here with these exercises is that moment of coming into uh, awareness in a spontaneous way, and then that very light attention. Again, not trying to direct the attention, not trying to say, oh, here I'm mindful, what should I be paying attention to? Just, oh, here I'm mindful, what's obvious here? What's, hap what's already happening here? And the mindfulness will last a certain length of time. It will, um, you know, we, we um, Hmm. I just realized I can speak another 10 minutes here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, think, I think I'll say some of this because I think it, it'll, it will be helpful to you. So I'll give a little talk here. <laughs> um, I think it will be helpful to the group. Um, so when we become mindful, there's a quality of that you know, that's effortless, right? I mean, we don't have to do that. That just happens. We spontaneously become mindful. And then that's got kind of a resonance. It will last a certain length of time, especially if we become aware that we have become aware. You know, that often we become mindful of something and then immediately leap onto the thing we've become aware of. Like, you know, we're in the kitchen and we, you know, see something. You know, it's like, oh, there's that dirty dish. 
And then, you know, we, we were mindful for just a split second of seeing the dirty dish, but then immediately we start thinking about that. Oh, I need to clean that up. That's, that's a mess. I, it, you know, if I leave that there, the ants are going to get it. And, you know, and then we leap on it and start doing it and we lose the mindfulness. But there has been just a split second of awareness probably not necessarily consciously arisen to the surface, you know, that, oh, I'm mindful. Um, so, so what we're starting to do here is to begin to recognize those moments of becoming aware. To recognize, oh, seeing the dirty dish, you know, oh, I'm mindful, mindful of seeing that. And then the, um, we've got the possibility then for the, uh, the mindfulness then to, to last, however long it lasts not to try necessarily to hold on to that mindfulness because if we, again if we try to hold on to the mindfulness in daily life what i find is that people give up you know it's like it becomes too much of a burden i don't have time to do this people say i don't have time to be mindful in my daily life and so what i'm trying to point to is the fact that it doesn't take any time to be mindful if you're just aware of what's already <coughs> happening and that resonance, that resonance, um, I'm going to give an analogy. So there's like, you know, the becoming aware of something is kind of like the bell when I hit the bell. And so that moment of striking is like mindfulness has come into being. And then there's a natural length of time that that awareness will last. Like there's a natural resonance of the bell lasting. And there are different conditions that come into play that make the, um, that mindfulness last longer or less long. So for instance, if I'm holding on to the bell, you know, there's no resonance. Or if I, you know, strike it and then touch it, it, it changes the resonance. And there are other, there's conditions in our lives that will do that. You know, it's like if we're busy, for instance, so if there's rushing happening, that moment of becoming aware has some of that quality of like touching the bell. It, 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 it doesn't allow it to last. And this is kind of like what Jack said. He noticed that, you know, some of what was going on was around, some of the tension that was coming in was around the rushing. So, you know, we begin to notice the conditions, not to try, not to try or to, to, uh, to judge ourselves around this, but to begin, we begin to notice the conditions that support that mindfulness resonating for longer. And we begin to notice the conditions that get in the way. And then as we value mindfulness, and this is, this is another part of the answer to your question, why am I doing this? You know, partly, um, we need to learn, it, you know, um, somebody, one of my teachers said that, that mindfulness is kind of like an acquired taste, you know, that, um, and the qual some of the qualities that come with it, the peace, the ease, the, just the simplicity of clarity of mind, um, they're kind of acquired tastes because our habit of mind is more to be rushing, busy, uh, to be grasping after things, wanting things. Um, so our habits of mind and where we think happiness comes from um, are not quite in alignment with 
the happiness, the, the kind of more subtle kind of happiness that comes from really just being present in the moment. And so part of it is beginning to see the value of mindfulness itself. And as we begin to really appreciate the value of mindfulness itself, this question of why would I bother to be aware while sipping water begins to go away. You know, so it's like, oh, oh, I'm present, I'm mindful. So one thing you can explore here too is just recognizing, yes, there's the, there's the, you know, there's all the sensations. And this is typically where we begin our exploration, is this, this physical. I mean, it's the, it's the first foundation of mindfulness. The body, being aware of body, is the first foundation of mindfulness. I think there's a really good reason why it's the first foundation of mindfulness. It's the most obvious of our experience. And there's other things going on at the same time. There's, uh, you know, all the things that are going on in our mind. And this is really where the mindfulness begins to um, show fruit. I mean, it shows fruit in paying attention to the body because we see in paying attention to the body that, um, um, you know, there may be tension that comes up. And that's, that's a signal for us. You know, that when we notice tension in our bodies, it's often a signal that there's something going on in our minds. And so it becomes the first kind of, um, uh, it's like, the, it's like the, the fog signal or something. It's warning us, it's alerting us that there's something going on. And we can also be aware, so when we notice we're, oh, we're mindful, we notice we're picking up the glass, you began to notice some of the motivations, some of the reasons why you're doing that. And that's great that you saw those things. I mean, it begins to show you that you can actually see into the motivations. I mean, did you know why you were drinking water in the past? And it's great to have both, actually. Yeah. You know, because the, the, the one, the more neutral thing, gives you, it gives you more of an avenue of exploration of, and what is this awareness anyway? You know, so that's the other thing to begin to pay attention to. So there's the, there's the, the fact that you've noticed the, um, the drinking, and then you've got an opportunity to explore, and what is it to be aware of that? You know, to begin to get familiar. What was it like a moment ago when I was not aware? It's kind of like there's a lingering memory of that, of the mind kind of being drifting off, and, and, and it's kind of like the light goes on. It's like there's clarity, there's um, just the presence, and we can begin to get familiar with that feeling, especially in these neutral activities. We begin to get familiar with what it's like for mindfulness to come back. And as we begin to get familiar with what mindfulness feels like, it begins to point itself out to us because it happens a lot. It happens all the time that we become mindful. And as we get more attuned to that feeling, it's like we notice those little tiny moments that are happening. You know, the, oh, seeing of the, the dirty dish. You know, we just, oh, there I am. I'm mindful seeing the dirty dish. It becomes it becomes more clear to us that we have become aware by the very familiarity that we are um, cultivating, familiarity of mindfulness that we're cultivating in these more neutral tasks. That actually is really the point here, I'm hoping, to happen. It's not so much about you know, the details of what you're doing, it's more about becoming familiar with what it is to be mindful. Essentially, you could say becoming aware of awareness. What is it to be aware? It's kind of mysterious. It seems kind of mysterious. But in that moment when we remember 
to be aware. And having these tasks helps us to remember. Whether or not we remember while we're actually doing it, you know, you said you got maybe, you know, six other times in the day. Those are also moments when you can check in, oh, I've become aware. Here I am, okay, you know, not, the point isn't to judge yourself for not remembering about the drinking, but it's like, here I am aware again, great, you know, what is it, you know, what is it, what is it to be aware? And then as we get familiar with that, as I said, it points itself out to us. So it, it then adds even more of a thread of mindfulness through the day. It's important to recognize almost the sense of, oh my gosh, you know, there's so many options here. And how do I make a skillful choice? I had this, this um, happen uh, at one point. I was really seeing, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I was looking at so many choices, but I was seeing, I felt like in my path, it was like I'd come to a, a branch. You know, it's like I could like become a nun. <laughs> or I could, you know, stay in daily life and continue working. And I could see actually that there were skillful aspects to both sides. It wasn't that one was skillful and one wasn't skillful. You know, that, 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 there, that they both were expressions of, um, you know, a skillfulness in, in the path. And it's like, how do I choose? You know, how do I make a decision here? <laughs> and I went, I, it, it actually happened that Gil had done a reflection one night and he said, you know, he asked us all to do this reflection and what, what was up for us. And this was what was up for me. And then he offered that he would just take as many questions as he could. So we all really reflected on our question. And I asked this question about, I see that there are different options. I don't see that there's anything more skillful in one versus the other. And uh, how do I make a choice? How do I decide? And his answer was, do you know what you want? <laughs> and I was like, what, does what I want actually factor in here? You know? <laughs> it hadn't even occurred to me to consider what I wanted. No, so there's, there's, there's all of these options. There are some, some that are clearly skillful, some that are clearly unskillful. Anything that creates harm, we know. Yeah, let's try to avoid that. If we have the choice, if we don't have the choice, I mean, sometimes we find ourselves engaging in unskillful speech, for example, without having been aware that we were going there. It's like, okay, we didn't have a choice, you know, at that point. We didn't have a choice. We just did it. And what I like to suggest for people there is get really good at cleaning up the mess, mm -hmm. you know? So at places where we see that there are choices and that we, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't know what to do. Allow your intuition, your, um, your um, you know, what feels right to inform you. You know, in some ways, another story along these lines was James Barras tells this story that he kind of had a similar thing uh, around, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to like drive across the country and become a hippie and go out to California? Or <laughs> am I going to go to college? I don't remember what his specific things were, but there were some wildly different things. And he went to his teacher, I think it was Ramdas at the time, and, um, and asked the same question. And Ramdas's response was, it doesn't matter <laughs> what you choose. Now just choose one and watch what unfolds. You know, again, when there's skillfulness in the choices, you know, it's just like, choose one and be mindful. Be aware. 
So yeah, I know that sense of, wow, there's so many choices. So be aware, first of all, of a little bit of that sense of overwhelm. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, there's that feeling of too many choices. And then perhaps just pick one and see what happens. It sounds to me like it's been a pattern in your life, perhaps. You know, something that has been kind of under the surface. What I see happens in mindfulness practice, it's like the, the, the horizon of the subconscious starts getting lower. We start to see into the things that were previously kind of moting, motivating us without our full awareness. So the fact that you see that there's quite a bit of fear in there, the mindfulness isn't creating that. So, so it is something that's been there. And there's no need, it doesn't sound like you're doing this, but just to, to, to put this out there, because sometimes there can be a little bit of a sense of, you know, of, um, oh, there's something wrong with me. You know, it's like, no, it's just like, this has, been, this has been what has happened in your life. And now you're becoming aware of it. The becoming aware of it begins to give you the opportunity to change. Be aware of the, of the fear itself. That's the first place to start. To not resist it, to not try to jump over it to see what's in the middle of it, just to meet it. Just to, um, at, the, at its most obvious level. And then notice if there's any reactivity to the fear itself. Because there can be. You know, so it may be that, that you immediately want to jump into doing something to take care of the fear. Um, so just begin to notice how you respond to the fear. So, so noticing that. And you don't necessarily even have to stop yourself from retreating. So, oh, so retreating's happening. Okay, so what does retreating feel like? <laughs> Thank you. So we need to stop.